why is Marcus not here? I want, <laughs> I want, I really want to know why he likes this movie. Do we even know that he likes this movie? He said he found it entertaining. It's entertaining, uh, but it's, 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 entertaining. it's entertaining. It's definitely entertaining. It's entertaining for a combination of reasons, but not all of them that would you'd normally say. Those are the elements that make a good movie. <laughs> Welcome to the Real DMC Podcast. This week, again, it is just the Real DC Podcast because it's just Dave and Colin. Uh, Marcus, the, the, the M in the DMC, somehow, I think we watched this movie because he wanted to, and then he did not show up for the podcast, so he has earned himself a detention episode, and that would be fun. I do actually wonder if he will show up, you know, like mid-podcast. I think we still have to tag him with the detention, don't you think? Oh, well, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, but I'm hoping okay. he actually does show his face. I think it would be, uh, he would add a lot of good commentary to this particular podcast. Perhaps a different perspective than the one that you and I are going to bring to the film today. Perhaps a bit different. Hopefully. Bit different. Yeah. But on the flip side, you and I also get to uh, start going through 1988 films and find one that's really bad so that we can give it to him for, as a detention assignment. So That's always maybe. something to look forward to. If anybody has any recommendations, uh, shoot us a note on Twitter. Otherwise, I think, was it Mac and Me? Was that the one that we were looking at? Uh, oh, yeah. Or is that yes. an 87 film? Is that an 87 film? Oh, it does not matter. Okay. All right. <laughs> Today, we're here to talk about the 1988, what would you call this? A, it's certainly a Western. It's an MTV-ified, strangely scored Western, starring six well-known young actors at the time. And, of course, that movie is Young Guns. You were supposed to serve 11 warrants and expose the ring. Instead, you went out on a rampage. Get ready for hell. Rod, don't talk like that. Objection, Your Honor. The governor's revoked your deputization powers. You're now wanted by the legitimate law as well as those outside the law. You're being hunted by troops. Barney is believed to be the captain of a deputized gang. Billy the Kid, huh? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It is. It's a Western, but yeah, it's like the... MTVified. That's a good way to put it. Well, and all you have to do is look at the opening credit sequence for this film to know what you're in for when you're watching it. Because the opening sequence is the camera God awful. zooms in on well, it, <laughs> yeah, it zoom, zooms in on each of their faces and there's this moment where, you know, then they all shoot their guns and uh it just uh it looks pretty bad. Well, and it's sort of like I don't even know what the the film technique used there is called, but there it's sort of like What's it like Bad? a negative, you know, like sort of, sort of like yeah, a like negative, a, like washed out negative kind of thing, like washed out negative image, but with yeah. like maybe like a purple tint to it. It just is so awful. And not only that, it's the, very jarring. It doesn't, it doesn't, it, it, it does nothing. It, it actually pulls you away from the idea that this is going to be a period piece. It seems very out of place. Very well, modern. The guitar intro music <laughs> is preposterous. Yeah, I just don't understand what was going on there. It's it's sort of like actually what it reminded me of was the like the intro to a TV show. Yeah, I can see that a, a TV show of the era, right? Of that era, right. and um, yeah, you're just okay. I guess this is what this movie is going to be all all about. Yeah, I was looking at the poster for this movie. It says the tagline on it is six reasons the West was wild." Uh, I'd recommend an alternate one, which was "How the West was dumb." <laughs> that, that's probably more fitting <laughs> you know you know this is they, 
<laughs> they made a movie, uh, I think, in like maybe the next year, called um, Mobsters, and and I think it. I don't think the actual tagline was this, but some reviewer called it because it, it was like um, you know, like all these young actors who right. were playing mobsters. You know, it's like Richard Grieco and and Costas Mandalore. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they she called it. Um, Young guns, young uh, buns uh, with Tommy young guns. Young buns with Tommy guns. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> That's I, I, they should have called this movie. I thought about that when I was watching this movie because this starts a run of lots of movies of this ilk where you have a group of young, good-looking actors that are, you know, thrown together. I was thinking about Flatliners. I was thinking about Mobsters. You know, there's, yeah. there's a whole bunch of those movies, and obviously this is kind of a carryover. The whole Brat Pack, Saint Almost Fire thing. It's just a little bit. I don't know. This is a weird movie. Yeah. <laughs> Can we let, maybe talk about the casting a little bit? Um, well, how so, about just maybe before we get to the cast, how about just your general experience with this film? Is this a movie that you saw back in the day and you thought you kind of liked or you rewatched it, haven't rewatched it in a long time? I mean, what's your thought about the movie just in general? Yeah, I think when the movie came out, I was highly skeptical because I realized it was, you know, what they were trying to do as far as the marketing goes. Yeah. And then I saw it and nothing changed my mind. And I do not think I've ever seen it since then. I remember we saw this movie and we thought the peyote scene was fun. So we used to throw quotes around from the peyote sequence. Yeah. And that's, and that, and then we'd also use the, uh, you know, he ain't all there, is he? The, the Dermot Mulroney phrase. Other than that, it's not a movie that I ever bought, you know, over the course of my lifetime. It's not a movie that I have rewatched since, I mean, I just rewatched it, but before, I can't remember the last time I saw it. I mean, it must've been maybe early 90s, but it's not a movie that was never one that I considered a favorite. I think partially for me, I'm a, I am a big Western fan, so I, li I like a really good Western movie, a well-constructed film. This is not that, right? <laughs> so I was thinking about, okay, what, you know, what, is it, what are some of the elements you need to have a really good Western? I think you need good characters, right? So character archetypes that have very clear motivations, you know, either, either kind of the, you know, the black hat, white hat kind of situation, or you can go the, the unforgiven route where it's a little bit of the anti-hero uh, you need really good choreography or, you know, the landscape of gunfights, including the geography of the situation. So you know who's shooting at who and it looks, you can kind of understand the situation. Good costumes and settings and a coherent story. And I think this gets one out of four is what costumes. I'm thinking. Costumes. Yeah, the co costumes yeah. are great, actually. Yeah. They look fantastic, actually. The, yeah, especially, um, I think, Doc Skirlock, so Kiefer Sutherland's character. His, uh, his whole getup is just, it's, he looks great. They actually, they all look great. The, the costuming is uh, fantastic. So they look I, good. I, th I think uh, Dermot Mulroney was my favorite in terms of that because he was just so damn dirty. <laughs> it was oh, great. I, I, Dermot Mulroney <laughs> is the MVP at this film. He's yeah, the absolute totally. MVP at this film. Totally. Do you agree? Yeah, 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 I do. I do. Yeah. I, 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 I liked um, Emilio Estevez. I don't think you did. Um, but I, you know, I found him to be like the most entertaining part of the the cast I, but i really liked dermot a lot but he's really sort of wasted you know that he, he doesn't have a lot to do he's used for comic relief yeah that's that's basically why he's there and i, I actually i like emilio estevez his performance in this movie he's very charismatic he's fun i, I mean i'm a emilio estevez fan i just think that the character he plays you know billy the kid is a psychopath <laughs> And he's, oh, he's a total psychopath. He kills four people in cold blood. Like, I mean, without them, like, you know, he shoots, he shoots, what was it, uh, two guys in the head and then another guy who's, you know, in the, in the outhouse in the beginning when 
doesn't even give him a chance to get their their gun out. So that it's all it's funny because you think Billy the Kid, you know, this great gunfighter. Nope, he's just taking people out without them really knowing it's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, Emilio's fun. I'm actually just sort of looking back at it. So he's good. Dermot Mulroney's good. Casey Simasco's actually pretty good, really good as well. Um, although I have I have some um, nits to pick, and then. Um, Lou Diamond Phillips, I thought was really good. There's a the little bit of the um, little bit of the, the stereotypical uh, approach to an Indian American, a Native American character that's a little tough. Yes, yes. But otherwise, I thought he was he was good. Charlie Sheen is awful. I don't know how I don't know how they cast him. He doesn't look comfortable at, for at one scene in this movie. He looks no. completely out of place. It looks I, like there's you know five cowboys sitting around a table with some guy who came from the future. <laughs> like that's what it feels like. It, it, he sort of looks like his his character Bud from uh, Wall Street, and he just yeah. like put on some uh, cowboy clothes, and, like he dressed up for uh, for Halloween as a cowboy, and then he just like, walked on the set. His his accent is pretty terrible. Oh, I was gonna say he goes way over his skis on his, his attempt at an accent, and he you know he says. Billy, you don't look like the killing sort. Rumor has it you killed a man, Billy. You don't seem like the killing sort. <laughs> he, he throws that out there one time. And then he also has a line where he says, the cattle look spooked on the North 40. That's a line of dialogue in this movie that they're going to go look on the, you know, the North 40. Like, could you yeah. actually get more like terrible, stereotypical language to describe something on the, the, on the Western front? It's, yeah. it's bad. Yeah, yeah. And then Kiefer Sutherland. <sighs> So the character of Doc, I really sort of wish he had been killed in like the opening minutes. Unfortunately, he survives. Uh, that's all I have to say. I like it just, well, no, I have more to say. But we'll, His motivations are all it. over the place too. He become, he initially is a strong, he's almost the leader of the group. And then all of a sudden, for no reason whatsoever, Billy becomes the leader and he becomes like a complete pussy. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's, it's a strange oh, transformation. And then he turns into a stalker. He does, and yeah, and he assaults. He assaults a woman, you know, just trying to get her attention. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. this guy. Other, so if we're, since we're talking about the the cast, I, I really liked Terrence Stamp. I mean, how can you how can you not like Terrence Stamp? Right. But I feel like he was just a completely wasted in this movie. I mean, he does die early, but as, as you know, because he plays John Tunstall. But um, we needed more Terrence Stamp in this. You can always use more Terrence Stamp. Yeah. And then, by the way, the character that he plays, John Tunstall, who's like basically like the father figure for these, we'll get to that in a sec, but the, these uh, young men, John Tunstall was actually 24 at the time of his death. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I, I went back and I did, a little, I did a little history, a little reading yeah. on the, uh, on the, was it the Lincoln County War? Just yeah. Just that I was curious about all of the... Uh, I thought it was interesting. I, I didn't know, honestly, that the the character names were all real people. So that, I was surprised to see that. Like Chavez, E. Chavez was, mm-hmm. you know, like a real person. So it was Doc. They were, you know, all the, so was Charlie. Yeah, I had so. no idea. I mean, I don't really know that much about Billy the Kid. And I had, I knew nothing about the Lincoln County Wars. And so when I, I did some uh, research as well, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually, you know, pretty much follows the historical events fairly well the gunfight at the end was it went on for five days though that's the what was one of the big differences i got, I got problems with the gunfight at the end but we could talk about that later oh we should, there's, there's lots to be said about the gunfight at the <laughs> end <laughs> so just uh, other casting jack palance 
as uh, as Murphy. He's just hamming it up the whole time. <laughs> oh, he's hamming it up. And his, his final death moment, just, you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> but his final <laughs> death moment is one of the great all-time overacting, you know, shot in the head, <laughs> hands in the air, spinning around. Like, it's uh, the only worst-looking death in the entire movie is Charlie Sheen's. Charlie Sheen's death when he's shot. It's, you know, he takes five or six steps back, and it's just, it, it's a master class in how not act or when you get shot for a a film screen a film death so so i was going to say that charlie sheen's death was the worst overacting i've ever seen jack plants when he gets he gets shot in the head and yeah he like spins around i think he's still like talking or his his face he's still like acting meanwhile you know he got shot in the head like he's he's dead instantly and and yet jack palance is still he's still acting all right. He has one. Um, he has one brief. One brief monologue about you know, believe it or not, and then he falls on the ground, and that's it. So it's... What did he? What did he say when? So when uh, Alex's wife uh, says that the the shootout at the end, they let her go. They're like, you know, like we're we're sending a woman out, and she gets uh, she comes out, and then she slaps the um, colonel, uh, the U.S. Army colonel. And what the hell did Jack Palance say? Yeah, he says that basically she's offering uh, to trade sexual favors to uh, like spare the life of her husband. That's what he's insi- right. insinuating because oh, he says, oh, he said, yeah, sure, Colonel. Why, does, why don't you go over there to the tent and, you know, she'll take care of you. And, and then, you know, the people start laughing. It's just they it's one of those things that's thrown in there to make his character just that much more of, of an asshole. <laughs> it's like pointless. <laughs> it's a throwaway line, but it's just like, OK, yeah, he's a bad guy. We get it. It was hilarious. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, then you see him in, um, well, I guess the the next year he's in uh, Batman, right? And he's like the boss at the beginning. Yeah. And um, Jack Nickel, Jack Jack Napier. Jack, I was going to say Jack Nicholas. (laughs) Jack Nicholson. Oh my God. I've I've lost it. Jack. No, Jack Nicholson, right? And then isn't Jack Nicholson. Okay. Yes, sorry. Is, it, is his character in that movie? Is he, is he Jack Napier? Is that the name of his character? I forget. I haven't seen the original Batman. In a long time. I, I forget, but he's like yeah. in the beginning of the movie. He's he plays a, a lieutenant. He's a crime boss. Yeah, yeah. A lieutenant to Jack Palance's uh, crime boss, and I sort of I feel like uh, they're very similar uh, performances. But anyway, uh, I digress. Do you have anything else on just the the, the cast? No, I think you hit everybody. I didn't. Uh, I didn't recognize the guy who played Pat Garrett. Oh, that's actually um, John Wayne's son. Yeah, that's. I, I know that. Uh, that's they. Pat, that was a trivia note, but I, but I, I didn't. I don't, I'm not familiar with him as a. If he isn't in other stuff. I looked him up because he looks real familiar. I think it's just like here or there. You know, I've seen him before, but I did not know that he was John Wayne's son. Noting the the writer and director, so it was directed by Christopher Kane. And it was written by Mark Fusco, I think. John Fusco. Um, oh, John Fusco. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, neither of whom, looking through their filmography, have done many of the things that I'm uh, terribly familiar with. Well, there's a reason for that. Yes. Well, it's that it's... neither one is particularly good at their craft. Uh, my, my, you would ask me like what I think about the movie. It's not a bad movie. It's entertaining. Emilio is um, actually you know pretty good. But this would have been immensely better if they had a better script and a good director and had not cast Charlie Sheen in this. Right. Because it it did have some of the, it had the elements. I mean, like the costumes 
we're good. But you the know, costumes it's... and the and the and the production design for yeah. the locations, the towns, they, they looked fantastic, and they were really, I mean, very ornate. So much more developed than even if you compare it to say, you know, the storefronts in Silverado or you know other westerns maybe made around the same time. That's so they put a lot of a lot of time and energy into the set design. I thought I thought they looked really good. Yeah, uh, totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, where, where do you want to go now? Maybe we can go through and just kind of talk about the plot and, uh, you know, as usual, pull out some scenes that we thought were interesting or just things that we noticed or perhaps some things that we didn't like very much as we, as we go through it. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> All right. There's probably a little bit of that. Can I just start by saying um, yeah. the one thing, that, the, the big thing I kept coming back to is that in the script, they keep referring to these guys as like Tunstall's boys, like he hires all these young boys and uh, none of these guys look like boys. They're fully adult men. Right. And there's some stuff that happens during the movie where I just, I'm just scratching my head because I'm going, okay, if they actually had hired teenage actors, this could have been a lot better and I could believe their behaviors a lot more. And it would have been a lot more interesting than, than these, you know, young adults uh, who happen to be, you know, hot stars at the time. It's a showcase of Hollywood talent, young Hollywood talent, <laughs> you know, and it's a chance for everybody to kind of get together and hang out, but it's not a particularly compelling Western for sure. Yeah. But I just don't understand why they just, why they kept calling them boys. Because they're really, they're not boys. I, I have no answer for you on that one. I'm sorry. I, I think there's going to be a lot of questions I have that there are no answers for. Yeah. The film is set, I guess, uh, the, was it the Lincoln County War, which was a real event that happened in U.S. history. It took place over, was it 1878 to, uh, like, was it 1881 or something like that. Basically, two large kind of ranching factions got, you know, were, went to war against each other and... The movie is. Wait a second. Uh, are we? Are we? Are we doing that? I mean, come on. If you're listening to this podcast, you have to have seen this movie, right? Not doing it in detail. Just I. I think it's interesting that um, the characters, for example, are based on real characters. That's all I was going to throw out there. So this is. So the the original the original war, where I, I think the sides, as I read, they were evenly matched. So it was kind of you know when they get to this big final battle, for example, it was fifty against fifty or sixty against sixty. In this movie, it's there's you know five against. 500. So um, basically, it's these, you know, five, five, six guys who work for John, this guy named John Tunstall, who is the, uh, he's a rancher. He's an Englishman played by Terrence Stamp. He has the boys on his ranch and they work for him as what are called regulators. So they maintain peace and basically protect his property. So they're kind of hired guns more than anything else. But uh, the movie sets it up as he is a, um, he's sympathetic to their plight in terms of them having difficult lives and you know, he's giving them a second shot. So the, and you, he, the movie starts where he's in town with one of the, one of the boys. So Kiefer Sutherland, who plays Doc, and they see Billy the Kid run out of a shop and he has a gun in his hand and he's running low. The one thing I thought about that is they have Emilio Estevez at that point. He's, he looks like he's dressed as a, like an early 19th century chimney sweep or something. Is, did you think that was like a weird outfit that he had on? Yeah. The, the it, doesn't hat, look, it doesn't look Western at all. The hat that he has, I was sort of, He's a Russian immigrant or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird look, you know. And so Billy, is, Billy the Kid, I mean, Estevez, is being pursued by the authorities in town, and he finds a uh, spot to hide. 
and then John Tunstall sees him and just basically invites him home with him. So he accompanies Terrence Stamp and Kiefer Sutherland back to the ranch, and that's where he meets the rest of the crew that we just talked through. So you got Charlie Sheen, who is, I guess, kind of, um, he's second in command, right? Wouldn't you think that Charlie Sheen is the number two guy? I actually think he was supposed to be like the number one guy, and then like Doc was the number two. No, yeah, I'm sorry, number one out of the regulators, like Charlie Sheen was the leader of the regulators. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So then you have Lou Diamond Phillips, who plays Chavez y Chavez. He's a combination of Mexican-American Indian. He is a knife thrower. So that's his ability um, that he has, that he showcases throughout the film is to fight with knives, primarily by throwing them. So there's a scene where there's a bucket and you see him, you know, or there's a fence post and he throws three knives into it. And interesting during that sequence, and this is something that I think is pretty funny throughout the movie, there's not a lot of firearm safety that goes on in this film. Because, uh, you know, Chavez throws the knife against the pole and Billy the Kid pulls out a gun, pulls a gun on him. There's a, there's a section where they're sitting down to dinner and Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheens pull guns on each other. <laughs> Everyone's pointing guns at everybody all the time in this movie over very minor infractions in my mind. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny. It is funny. It's also kind of stupid, especially since they're men, they're adults. But uh, if they were, again, actually boys... I think it would have made a lot more sense. Yeah. So then, uh, yeah, there's a couple scenes where John Tunstall is, you know, he's sitting with them at night, and there's a scene where Dirty, I was going to, I know I'm going to call Dirty Steve Stevens, who is the character that Dermot Mulroney plays in this movie. I know at some point I'm going to call him Dirty Sanchez. <laughs> I'm <trying> not to. <laughs> but I almost did it just then. Okay, so anyway, so, so Dirty Steve Stevens, or uh, Dirty Steve, is he's reading a newspaper, and John Tunstall asks Emilio Estevez to read it, and you think that, oh, this guy can't read, but of course Billy the Kid is, he's very articulate, and that is, I guess, kind of a surprising moment. What do you think about the whole, that whole scene? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't okay. really Fair enough. Much. I didn't think much about it at all, other than, yeah, I'm, so you're sort of surprised that Billy's not as, um, you know, dumb and wild as you think he is. Well, you find out later he's, he might not be as dumb, but he's definitely more than enough wild. I would he's say. definitely, definitely wild. Okay, so they leave Tunstall's ranch. They go into town. There's a dance. I think it's, I guess it's New Year's. And so they're, they're celebrating New Year's. And on the way home, they come back. And John Tunstall is gunned down by Jack Palance's crew, by Murphy's crew. Uh, and there's a earlier, uh, that's, you know, Murphy shows up at the ranch. And, and they set up the conflict between John Tunstall and, uh, and the Murphy boys. You know, Jack Palance's character, and they're they're arguing about uh, I think cattle theft, but really they, he's an John Tunstall's an English guy, and they don't like the English there, so they want the, they want they're trying to run the English out of town. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and apparently Tunstall in reality was like trying to run the Irish out of town. <laughs> so they're two competing large ranchers, and then Murphy's also not just trying to run the English out of town, but also trying to take over his business. He's the competition. That's really what I think is setting up this whole Lincoln County Wars, right? It's trying to eliminate the competition. The other thing that happens that sets up one of the more annoying plot lines throughout the film when they go into the dance. uh, So Kiefer Sutherland, so Doc's character, sees uh, Yen Soon. Is that her name, I believe? Yen Soon, yeah. 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 They they call her several semi-derogatory terms throughout the, the film. I think they call her... Was it a China doll? Yeah, China doll. Yeah. They call her China doll. There's a, a couple of terms that they use that are not particularly uh, appropriate. And But bottom line is he sees her and he goes and he asks her to dance and he dances with her. And she is, I think, a sex slave for Jack Palance. It's kind of the, that's, that's sort of the... Yep. Um, and, the, and so they get the backstory that 
that her father owned a laundry and the launderer damaged one of Jack Palance's shirts. And so as compensation, he took his daughter. Seems a bit excessive, I gotta be honest. <laughs> it does, it does seem excessive. One shirt. But, you know, this is where they, they set up Kiefer Sutherland's character to be, he's good with a rifle, but he's also, they you know, he wants to read poetry and he's sort of a sad, sappy sack of shit. Otherwise, I mean, that's... <laughs> that's I think that sums him up, a sad, sacky, sad <laughs> sappy sack of shit. That's perfect. Yes, his his character is, is probably the worst in terms of the motivations throughout the movie. In terms of changes, it flies around a little bit. I don't know. It's just he's not the strongest. I don't think uh, he's so freaking annoying. So, anyways, after Tunstall gets killed, they meet with a lawyer who is representing John Tunstall and the. Oh, so, so, sorry, no, but, go ahead. I just want to go back, and this is I, I think goes to the the bad directing choices when Tunstall gets murdered, right? They're, they're all basically all the regulators in Tunstall. They're, they're driving home and driving, they're riding home. (laughs) And and, uh, the boys, they ride off up ahead, having some fun, leaving Tunstall back in the, um, in the, in the cart, the cart, the the wagon, the wagon. wagon, like almost immediately you see this group of, 15 guys or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 15 guys like like right up behind Tunstall, like sort of like at the top of this ridge. And then they they just open up fire on him and they murder him. And I'm going, how did they not hear those guys coming? Like right. they, they literally left them like 20 seconds earlier. So it's just, it's ridiculous. I know I get it. He was trying to go for this cool shot, you know, with the riders coming up from behind him. But it the, just did not I, the visuals work. in that scene, that the visuals are kind of cool. That, that's you know seeing the yeah, the, it, but the that men on horse f- come up behind him. But the first thing that came to my mind was, how did these guys get the drop on him? Like, well, so that's what soon? I mean. It that's just, what I meant about the about, didn't make any sense about Western geography. That's what I meant about the location. You have to. It has to feel somewhat realistic in terms of you understand the distance between the riders and you know the, the relative location to each other. Right. And this movie is terrible with this. All the gunfights get, you know, scattered to the point like you're not sure exactly who's pointed at who. There's the scene where they're 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 being chased down by a posse and they're in a river that's something like 10 feet away from where there's like 40 guys on horseback and nobody can see them. I mean, it's just I know, right? The, <laughs> the, yeah, the the location or the the again, the geography, the spatial geography in this film, uh, particularly for the gunfights is terrible. The, uh, the so the, the gunfight just jumping ahead when uh was it uh was it buckshot um buckshot williams or buckshot what's his williams. Name? is that his name buckshot roberts oh, buckshot roberts so buckshot roberts comes to to take him out and they're like oh my god that's buckshot roberts and they're like 10 20 yards between them one guy one guy against like five guys Five One or guy six out guys. in the open, by the way, and and, guys, all those, he, and those five guys all have coverage, so they can all yeah. they can all d- down behind logs and other stuff, and it's it's and then this and then this famous, so they when he shows up, Buckshot Roberts, one of the one of the characters has a good line, good line of dialogue. The, by the way, some of the the dialogue in this movie is atrocious, but there is one one funny line where they say he's killed more he's killed more men than smallpox. I thought that was a good line. That was good. That was good. But then this guy's, um, this who's supposed to be this badass master assassin bounty hunter dude, his plan when he's under attack by these five guys is to run into an outhouse. 
right? And that's his plan. So can you imagine not, not going only that... into a small wooden building that probably has very thin boards on the side, and that's your plan to, to stage your master attack? It's just so stupid. It, it goes from uh, bad to worse, yeah, because first he starts by being completely out in the open and then opening fire on, like, five guys who apparently can't shoot straight at all. Right. Um, and then, yeah, he goes into the outhouse, and it's like, oh, where else is he going to go? There's, this is easy pickings. But he manages to kill Charlie Sheen from there. And then right. they and then they all ride off. What is going on here? It just makes no sense. Yeah, it's not it's not well staged. And this is where we mentioned it before. But Charlie Sheen has uh, one of the worst cowboy deaths you've ever seen on screen in terms of his body language. It's I just, think he, it looks he, like was, he was having convulsions or something. He, I was, it looks like he was convulsing. I was just going to say that he's convulsing and stepping backwards. And it's uh, it's it's not good. So I think he thought he, he thought he was back in like platoon making platoon. They're just, you know, you're yeah, getting shot by, like, machine gun fire. And you're just like, ah! Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not good. And I was kind of wondering, do you think when they when they had the, you know, all the characters, all the actors came on set and they started working with them, do you think they either revised Charlie Sheen's character to kill him off faster? Or do you think that that was always going to be his role? Because you think when he got there, they're... Because you can kind of look at all those guys and go, no. oh, yeah, these, these, these five kind of get it. This one we should get out of the movie early because it's sticking out like a sore thumb. You think they, think they did that? They made that choice? I I don't know because I think uh, that his character, um, what's his name, uh, Dick Brewer, actually did die in that gunfight with yeah. Buckshot Roberts. But they may have tried to like minimize the amount of scenes that he had because he was pretty bad. Apparently, he he struggled with his horse work as well. That was uh, some of the research I did on it. It was uh, they weren't they weren't satisfied with his horse work. So, mm-hmm. You know, I, sorry, I think we, we might have glazed past it, but there's a great moment where after John Tunstall is killed, the regulators are all, um, they're formally deputized. And so there's this hilarious scene where they're in a barn and this guy literally sticks out a Bible and they put their hands together like you're doing a football, you know, like a <laughs> break. And, and, and so they all put their hands on the Bible and then the, you know, the, the barn doors open and there's this shot of all them lined up. So it's very similar to how they look during the credit sequence. So it's just another... Another sort of, you know, kind of money shot, glamorized Hollywood actor shot, totally irrelevant to the plot. Yeah. Also, just historically speaking, they didn't become the regulators until they got deputized, I'm pretty sure. But right. they're calling themselves, they're just ranch hands at, at uh, Tunstall's place. And yet they're calling themselves regulators, like from the get-go. The regulators is a pretty cool name. Right. But I find it incredibly annoying in this film. Like every time they call themselves the regulators or regulators, let's get regulating. I just, I cringe every time. Yeah, it's goofy. Probably they just wanted to use something other than, you know, ranch hands, mount up. That no, I mean, cool. no, I get it. And it's also, I mean, it's historically accurate, but I don't know. It just rubs me the wrong way. I think it's just the whole movie rubs me the wrong way. To just get back to the dialogue really quick, because I know we want to get past Charlie Sheen's participation in this film as quickly as possible. But <laughs> he does have a, just to give you a sense of the dialogue, so there, there are these guys, at one point, while Charlie Sheen is still alive, they have an encounter with, with a couple of Murphy's men. And Charlie Sheen's dialogue line is, Buenos dias, shitheads. Buenos dias, shitheads. That's what he says. <laughs> so... <laughs> You know, it's the, uh, some of the dialogue is it's a little, a little uh, tough. Man. I just, this just makes me think, oh, if you really want a, a good Western from this era, 
there there are plenty of good westerns but i think back to um deadwood and how amazingly awesome that that series was in showing this this era and and the well and the dialogue in deadwood is would be the polar opposite of the dialogue in this film. oh my god oh my yeah. god yeah anyway they kind of roll to the peyote sequence after this right well they That's... go no i think the, um they uh they first they get deputized and i thought that the first thing that they did was try to f- get to arrest or serve a warrant to this one guy in that sort of outhouse bar whatever it was i don't know it's, right um and then they bar and then, on the river and they, they they send um they send billy in there to do it because nobody nobody wants to do it they're all too scared and then billy and then billy, just, and then billy just kills the guy in cold blood too yeah, yeah, he goes in there, he sees that he's he's actually there, and then he sort of waits for him to, to leave and go into the outhouse, and then, yeah, walks in there while the guy's taking a uh, a piss, and he just shoots him. He just kills him. Yeah. Right? He doesn't serve a warrant. He no. just kills him, murders him, and that sort of, and things go downhill from there. Billy the Kid in this film is portrayed as somebody who really genuinely enjoys murder. Yeah, he's laughing every time I think he kills someone. Yeah, he's having he's having a great time with it. They end up killing, like finding a couple more ranch hands from the from the the Murphy ranch, or right. is it? And that's where that's where the charging has the the Buenos Dias shitheads. At line. Yeah. And then after that, then they go into town because they're trying to. At that point, they're trying to serve the warrant on the sheriff, and that's where Billy the Kid okay. is walking down the middle of the street, kind of you know doing a little bit of a jaunty dance, and then. Again, he taps the guy on the shoulder and the guy spins around and he just shoots him in the head. It's <laughs> just point blank in the head. <laughs> Billy the Kid is not particularly sporting. He's not interested in a fair fight. No. And I think it, it, then it's at that point that they, they're they on the run and they end up doing peyote, right? Because they're like right, trying, to, they, trying to figure out like which direction to go or they're, they're a bit lost. They don't know what to do. And so... Chavez, E. Chavez says, you know, like, oh, hey, let's take some peyote and it'll and it'll come to us. And it's probably one of the more entertaining moments in the film. It's total. It's a total non sequitur for the plot of the film. In terms yeah, of, and you know what? I, I I didn't realize how this movie is just a series of small one off kind of vignettes with very the narrative structure in terms of how it all ties together is is rough at best. So it's, so it's patchwork. I take it. I take it that you liked the scene. I like the scene because I think it's I think it's just it's funny it's goofy fun I think Dermot Mulroney hey dog did you see the size of that chicken and jumping in and out of the cave I think that's pretty funny. Did, did you guys see something? Chicken? Now my butterfly. We don't know why. We, we just feel it. Oh God. You guys! You guys! Did you see the size of it? Cocking boo! Goddamn boo! I think the visuals of, you know, Casey Schmazko standing on the uh, cliff and he's got his arms up. This is great! <laughs> it's, just, it's just funny. I mean, it's not, it's totally out of place. It feels more like a, you know, like a 60s or 70s or even now, like somebody's, you know, tripping balls going to you know, Burning Man or something versus something you'd see in a Western. But yeah. I thought that, I thought the sequence was fun. I, I, th- I thought it was completely unnecessary. Maybe just because I've heard so many people talk about or, or reference this scene that I was expecting it to be like some really cool scene. It was not. It was sort of funny. I was laughing mostly because 
I'm like doing peyote with a lot of firearms is not not really a good idea. Also, if you have a posse that's potentially coming down on you, do you want to yeah. just stop and take a peyote break? I mean, it's not gonna it's not gonna consume at least eight hours of your day. Yeah, like it's just like not a good idea. But anyway, it was interesting. It's fun. I mean, I I thought I think it's it's amusing. So I yeah. I enjoyed it for that. Yeah. I think so. I think then after this peyote scene, that's when there's the gunfight with uh, Buckshot Roberts, and uh, and then Charlie Sheen dies. By the way, Charlie Sheen, bit of a wet blanket. I think he's the only one who did not take peyote. He was in command of the regulator, so he needed to hold uh, the line for respectability. He gave himself uh, slightly higher standards than everybody else. Yeah. Whatever. Whatever, Dick. You know, they had the, they have the gunfight with Buckshot Roberts. Uh, at some point, they double back into town, or at least Doc doubles back into town. And it's not. They're trying to figure out where they're, they're going to go. So there's a debate between you know, do you run to Mexico? Do you go out towards California? They end up going back into town, and Doc ends up seeing that he sees Murphy. Uh, Murphy's men are, are there, and Sun Yen is that her name? Uh, yeah, Yen Sun. So, Yen Sun. Y- Yen Sun. Sorry, mixed up her name. So she is. He sees her in the window up up in a above the bar area where in a hotel window, and and then uh, he goes to find her. And the introduction of her is all of a sudden you see his black gloved hand just clamped on her mouth. That's, that's, how, that, that's how he walks into the room to greet her, which is just, I mean, if, if I was laying in bed and somebody like came up and a, put a black glove on my mouth, that, that might freak me out a little bit. So, and she has an understandable reaction. Major, major stalker vibes coming off of Doc. Does he even really know anything about this, this young woman other than he's hot for her, obviously. And he, I think he's like, she needs to be rescued. Ultimately, she does, but um, <laughs> I don't know. He's just... Mm. The, the motivations for their relationship in terms of the level of connection that he thinks he feels after sharing a dance with her for three minutes seems a little suspicious. He's skeezy. You know, he is the Emilio Estevez of St. Elmo's Fire in the Young Guns universe. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. he's a stalker. The other thing about that scene that was great was that he is trying to tell her that she should go with him. And because there's a posse coming down on them, and this is the phrase he is another example of the dialogue in the film. He says his only chance is to get hell bent for leather versus say, my only chance is to ride out of town. <laughs> you know, he's going to go get hell bent for leather. That's just, that's something that you usually say in casual conversation, right? When you, I'm, I'm going to go get hell bent for leather, get moving. Well, it's a great script. It's really, yeah. really, really well written. The other thing they find out right around this time is that there's a guy named John Kenny who is apparently uh, some sort of a bounty hunting badass himself. And they, you find out that he's being introduced because you see him coming from a distance across uh, the, the field and, or across the landscape. And there's this horrible guitar music that kicks in. The score on this film is terrible. It's, <laughs> it's really, awful. really bad. It's, it's, and you know what's funny? They, they hired James Horner to do a score for this film and then they fired him because it was not... Uh, because he's James Horner and he's not, he's not any good. It wasn't MTV-ish enough or, you know, modern, I don't know. And you can even hear, by the way, there's little bits of sax that get dropped in to the score once in a while. It's more, more towards the beginning of the film. But, you know, anytime you have sax, well, we all, we all know that the saxophone played a very important role in 80s uh, true. culture and film. <laughs> so, yes. yeah. Thank you, Joel Schumacher. Yeah, the, yeah. the guitar and synth is just so out of place in a Western. I'm sorry. Yeah, it doesn't work at all. I would contrast that, by the way, to say Silverado, where you see the you know the rousing orchestral score and 
what that can do to benefit a Western versus, you know, whatever this is. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so they're, you know, so they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And then Billy the Kid has this awesome speech where they're gathered in the middle of the, so this is after, so, so Doc goes away. Um, he comes back, he joins the group. They're trying to decide their last move. Billy still wants to go after Jack Palance's character. They're having an argument. I think it's around this time where Lou Diamond Phillips gets the overacting award for the film when he tells the story about, you know, because Billy accuses him of not caring and being invested in, you know, in getting revenge for John Tunstall. And Lou Diamond Phillips goes on a couple minute rant about how his family was slaughtered and they were, you know, they were, his family was cut open. And it's just, uh, it's a little much, I think. I liked it. Really? Yeah, I actually liked it. Eh. I thought it was somewhat moving in a, in a, a movie that, where the characters really don't have all that much motivation, uh, you can understand his motivation. Felt a little out of place though, compared to the tone of everything else that was going on around it. That's well, why. I think yeah, it's a but jarring. but but I, I I thought that for you know this one monologue, uh, I thought he pulled it off. I think the way that he performs it and delivers it is good. I just think that the material for the moment doesn't really work. It just seems a little bit out of place. Okay, probably. And then so they're they're going to make a move against Murphy and then randomly out of nowhere, Charlie, Casey Shismosko's character. By the way, can we just close on how you pronounce this dude's name? What is it? Is it It's uh Shismosko? Shismosko? I think it's Simosko. Simosko? Okay, we'll go for that. We'll, we'll um, go with that. He makes a request and he says that he wants to go uh, to a certain town or or he says I I want to do this thing and the next thing you see they're in town. And everybody's giving him money so that he can go visit a prostitute. And he walks into this particular, and they, they said, oh, you know, why is it this particular woman? And he, he goes in there and there's a woman and he says, she says, oh, you know, come over to the bed. And he says, I just want you to hold me. And it's completely random. It's not set up at all. It has no point in the story. It's a complete left turn out of nowhere. Uh, and apparently, because and I was curious about that, did a little bit of research. Apparently the script originally had a longer sequence where you find out that that's actually his mother. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I know why yeah. they cut it out, but why didn't they even leave that in? I mean, it's it, it's sort of weird because, so his character, by the way, it's Shamasco. Shamasco? At least according to Wikipedia, yeah. Okay. I don't think I've ever heard anyone pronounce it that way, but I haven't heard him, his name mentioned since the 1980s. His character is set up as he's the pugilist right i don't know they were they just trying to turn him into a big pussy i don't know because at the end in the gunfight at the end when john kinney shows up when they see him ride in charlie charlie is that his name charlie, charlie yeah. yeah first he shits Char his pants and then he... charlie just he like loses it right you know, he just freaks out and i'm going why is he freaking out so bad i maybe that's where that came from they wanted somebody to really freak out and they're like well he's he's emotion he, he he's emotionally vulnerable what's strange is they go, they go from that scene and then maybe there's one other thing that happens in between but pretty soon afterwards they end up in another small village and overnight that same character charlie becomes engaged and he gets married so all of a sudden you go from him visiting a prostitute to maybe one or two scenes later they're in a small village and he rides into town and he gets married that night. So yeah, not quite so, sure. Not quite sure how that works, but it it does it does happen. Maybe somebody said during the middle of filming that the movie had no emotional center or no emotional soul. So they're like, um, let's give it to Charlie. 
So let's uh, we'll get him married, and then and then that's why he's also so upset when he sees John Kinney because he knows oh their chances just of surviving really went down, and he's got this young Mexican beautiful young Mexican wife that he wants to go back to, and it just none of it works. Both the wedding sequence and the trip to the prostitute are total non sequiturs for everything else that's actually and so is the peyote sequence. So you have three moments of this film that are in no way connected to the primary narrative. And so it's just kind of out of left field. I think they had these ideas. Oh, this would be a good scene or that would be cool to have a, a scene like that. And then they just threw it in there, even though it doesn't really make much sense. It's, it's like, well, it could happen. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, and then at the, it's, I, don't, I don't think I've talked about it yet, but when they're trying to decide which way they're going to go, Emilio Estevez makes a, a dramatic speech that talks about the importance of having pals. Chavez is talking about the importance of you know being with a tribe, and, and Billy the Kid, Emilio Estevez, is saying, well, if you have a few good pals, you have a tribe. Oh, Steve understands the meaning of the word pals, don't you, Steve? So you got three, four good pals... Well, then you get yourself a tribe. There ain't nothing stronger than that. And that's a dramatic moment. <laughs> and then because he's talking about Doc and Doc coming back and he says, you know, Doc understands the importance of pals. Pals. It's all about pals. It's all about pals. That's the unifying force that really brings us all together. John Fusco really has a way with, with dialogue. And then, at that, so then they decide, okay, they're going to go back into town or, or no. So Pat Garrett shows up in that same village where Charlie's getting married. And he tells Billy that uh, they're going to make a move against their lawyer friend. And the house is going to be surrounded and they're going to kill him. So the regulators decide they need to run or ride to his defense. They do that. They show up. And as soon as they get to the house, they're immediately surrounded. And so there's Six, no, five of them in the house at that point, plus the lawyer who lives there and his wife. And they're surrounded. On, <laughs> this is one of the great things about the geography in this movie. They're surrounded on all sides by uh, people like, with guns. And there are several sequences where everybody is firing from all sides, all, all sides at the house simultaneously. It's one of the things I, I liked about it, right? Because you imagine lots of high caliber weaponry flying around, you know, it's kind of the idea of a circular firing firing yeah. squad you know yeah it's the, the the design and the layout and this is where the geography gets all screwed up it doesn't really i don't think it works that well it's not not well thought out also terry o'quinn who's an actor i really like he plays alex the lawyer i just want to say give terry o'quinn a shout out but um yeah. alex refuses to leave because uh, he's sick and he, he just he doesn't want to he doesn't want he he doesn't want to I, he's just giving up, basically. He's sick. He right. doesn't want it. Um, fuck you. You're you're there with your wife. You you know you're going to die, right. and yet you're just willing to sacrifice your wife's life as well. What a dick. Well, he ultimately pays for it because at the well. So we, we can. Uh, it doesn't really matter. We can just step on the end and then go back to the rest of the gunfight. But, no, no. Please, but the, please tell me about the Gatling gun. Yeah, so Terry O'Quinn comes out at the end, and he is unarmed at that point. And he's standing there, and he kind of has his hands, you know, sort of partially up. And what happens is the military unloads on him with a high-caliber Gatling gun. And I actually went back and counted it because I was so curious. And they shoot him 33 times. 
That's how many times they shoot him with the Catlin gun. I just and, thought and it was the, and, the, and the whole time, by the way, he's just he's standing up in in one spot. You know, not not of course one of those bolts would probably throw his body backwards big time and he'd go down. But the whole for all thirty three shots, he's sort of standing there. I did some additional reading on this one, and apparently they were going to set up a bunch of squib packs on Terry O'Quinn's body and have him you know be blowing them up when he was getting hit with the Gatling gun. But they decided that. The film was already too bloody. So while he's getting shot 33 times, you actually don't see the other than you see his body shaking. You don't really see the impact of the bullets really hitting him. So <laughs> it's a it's a terribly staged death scene. It, yeah, and it's it's also just like makes no sense because I think all of the the guys had either they were either dead or they were they were making their escape. So all of the attention of the the army should have been on those guys who are escaping but oh you see like one person unarmed come out of the house and you're like open up on the on him with the gatling gun right <laughs> like what are you thinking like maybe just you know you point your rifle and shoot him like first of all he is unarmed but do you really need to use the gatling gun maybe just take him hostage or you know arrest it, him i mean yeah it know. really it made no sense but they i think they were they were thinking you know, we really want to throw in a moment like from uh, the Wild Bunch. So let, right. let's have a Gatling gun and we'll kill someone. How do we make this more pe- peckapian? <laughs> you, you, you could have taken out like Charlie with the Gatling gun. It could have been better, right? Right. Because he's he's actually guns a blazing, but he ends up dying because they, you know, they're all shooting him. But it would have been a little more effective if they used the Gatling gun on Charlie than on poor unarmed Alex. Yeah, the other thing that was interesting about this scene was all of a sudden Billy the Kid, who is making some some bad choices. So, for example, he's mocking people outside the window, and then he's saying, "Hey, you got you know, is that Charlie with you?" And then he leans out the window and then shoots him in the head. He's like, "He's not with you anymore," and he's laughing. But meanwhile, he's also giving tactical direction. That like, you know, Doc, you go up there with your rifle. You go over here with your that sort of thing. So all of a sudden, he's the unit commander after showing a complete lack of judgment for the entire rest of the film. So yeah. I thought that was an interesting choice. That, particularly Doc, there's a scene in a bar where Billy is harassing a guy. Again, kills him in a cold-blooded fashion, just shoots him in the head. But I think that they're using that scene to maybe indicate that Doc is becoming a little bit scared of Billy. And maybe that's sort of what they're showing. But it makes no sense that Billy would suddenly, with his actions, become the true leader of the group, I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Let's say that you are holed up in a house that's surrounded by... You know, gunmen. Would this be the defense that you would have used, which is essentially to just sit there and not shoot at all? Because they weren't doing. Why don't they, you know, break out the windows and just start firing at these guys? Yeah, with a rifle at least, right? Picking them off. Yeah, they're they're not doing any of that. They could be picking off these guys one by one, but they don't. They just let the those guys fire at them, fire on the house. Then they wait, and a couple of guys run up to the house with a torch, and they throw it in. Now, you would think if you saw a couple of guys running towards the house with a torch, shoot them. they're going to try to light the house on fire. You right. think that you would try to shoot them, right? Not one shot off. Right. What is going on here? The other thing is, the like you said, they're, during the fight, you know, they have this kind of opening salvo, this exchange back and forth. And then it, it cuts to, all of a sudden, they're just, everyone's camping overnight. 
So they just they stop the gunfight so everybody can get some rest during the evening. Yeah. And then and what's funny is the in the film when the the light is coming back up, so dawn is coming along, and you actually hear like a rooster crow. I thought that was pretty funny. Like you know, okay, start of the day, gunfight back on. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, during the, I think it's maybe during the night. They're they don't, they're not really clear exactly when, but apparently, uh, Chavez is able to somehow escape from the house and slip past everybody because he's able to go get some horses, which he then brings into the end gunfight so that a couple of them can escape. Of course, they don't. I mean, the house is surrounded on all sides by. What, like a hundred people at that point, but yeah. Chavez is somehow able to just sneak out no problem. He uses his Indian magic. That's kind of the angle they're they're sort of trying to project a little bit there. Yeah, I think so. That's no, not going to work. Yeah, so that's the big ending. So Chavez grabs some horses. He rides into town. Uh, you have by reputation the two two uh, was it uh, the least successful of the six actors that are still alive. They're the ones that get gunned down, and then Emilio Estevez. Kiefer Sutherland and Lou Diamond Phillips are able to escape, and they show up in Young Guns too, along with Christian Slater. And um, I'm trying to forget—I forget who else who joins their group. I'm not sure I saw Young Guns too. There would be no reason why I would want to see it uh, before they do write off Billy. Uh, he kills uh, Murphy, right? So we talked about oh, Murphy yeah. dying, right? And I'm—I'm I'm sitting here going, "All right, I'm Billy. I'm a really good shot because I'm shown it throughout the movie." So Billy is a, <laughs> he's a really good shot. And like right at the end, so they're escaping. And here's Billy out in the middle of the, of the street, like 50 yards away from Murphy. And Billy's like on a horse, one shot right between the eyes, right? right. Kills Murphy. Why didn't you try to do that while you were in the house? Like you could have been killing these guys, picking off the leaders, the Colonel, Kenny, Murphy. Like they would have... Like, but right, and then, they, and they, that's, they didn't try any of that. Because that's your strategy at that point, right? Is to take out the leadership and hope everybody else kind of folds under the pressure and just wants to get away. That's, yeah. That wouldn't be the strategy. So you really got to go shoot the guys that are in charge at that point and hope for the best. But of Instead, course, all like they did, said, they didn't do any of it. <laughs> I think all they did was uh, they waited until they opened up, opened fire on the house. And then during that, then they break out a couple of windows and, and fire just completely wildly, you know, not really taking aim or anything like right. like that's a good strategy <sighs> yep so there that's where we say goodbye to dermot mulroney dirty steve D- stevens dirty, dirty sanchez. not dirty sanchez stevens <laughs> which again i almost said uh so he dies he gets um cut down in a hail of gunfire and the other thing is the so charlie so casey what's his last name again pronounce it says moscow shimasco shimasco he is shot it feels like maybe 15 or 20 times, something like that. And again, as he's getting shot, he's just sort of standing in the air as the bolts are hitting him, and then he goes down. By the way, um, Casey Shamasco's his uh, yeah. his his first name is actually Kazmir's, which might be why Marcus loves this movie so much. Well, I wish Marcus was here because I I I I'm, oh. I'd be super curious. I mean, I think that uh, this is probably a movie that. Well, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'd imagine that a lot of people probably saw this movie. Maybe it's a little bit like St. Almost Fire, where you're like, oh, yeah, no, that was a good movie. That was fun. I haven't seen it in a long time. And then if you were to go back and watch it, you might go, mm, I'm not so sure. Mm, yeah. <laughs> this movie is fun because, yes, it's a bunch of, you know, good-looking young actors started their careers, or, you know, maybe in some cases the midpoint of their careers. I think that the costuming, well done. I mean, everybody looks really good. But it's just... Uh, it's not a good Western. <laughs> it's, no, it's not. It, 
it never gets close to a good western and again the the fighting is bad the score is terrible and uh it's the plot is just it's more of a series of vignettes than a coherent single threaded narrative so we've gone on now for i don't know maybe about an hour still no marcus i'm very surprised i thought he would at least dial in and and give us a few comments on the the movie but uh, i guess not i guess not i guess we're gonna have to ask him for some young guns information up front as part of his detention assignment i think so yeah yeah maybe well i know he did watch it again and maybe at that point he was like oh god why did i like this movie (laughs) He's, he's too embarrassed to, to come and, and defend it. My guess is that he probably, this is probably a movie that he had on his list as a guilty pleasure, or I can't imagine it was cracking the top five. No, it and wasn't. Then, and then he, you know, went back and watched it. Or I'd be curious to get, yeah, what is his current take on it? Because um, this movie, it was definitely worse than I recall. It was just as bad as I recalled. Well, yeah. <laughs> maybe actually, maybe not as bad as I recalled, because I, I did find it. Uh, sort of entertaining you know it is entertaining it's interesting to watch the for me as a western as a fan of really you know i love a good western and so when you are when you have all this going on and it's not a good western it's just kind of a frustrating viewing experience if you want to see the you know a, a gun battle done well you know look at the look at the gunfight at the end of open range or the end of pale rider or even you know some of the sequences in, in silverado all those are so much more energetic, fun. You have a sense of where the characters are spatially in relation to each other. There's just none of that in this movie. It's just, it's faster cutting. It's just, you know, editing's not great. The music is terrible. The dialogue is bad. Just not uh, not one that I plan to revisit anytime soon. And not one that, that will be cracking my top 50 Westerns of all time list, should I ever choose to put one of those together. It's also just a terrible name for a film or for a Western young guns it's just dumb well it's i mean it achieves exactly what it's looking to do right right well that was mtv mtv character marketing not so much the plot i mean you were going to see the actors you weren't going to see the story i want to know how many teenage girls went and saw young guns i mean there must have been a lot but i don't think teenage girls are really fans of westerns so it seems a little if it's if, if this was just really a marketing ploy to get a bunch of actors together, um, young actors together, you know, to get the the teenage audience. And a Western seems like a weird genre to uh, to do. Like with mobsters, that seems a little more successful, right? Because I think, um, well, even, even like 20s mobsters, uh, no, that doesn't work either. I just don't really understand what they were going for. And maybe that's the reason why you didn't see a lot more of these films after that. This went on for just a couple of years, and then it a couple of years there was the, they out. tried the they tried the female version of this with Madeline Stowe, that Bad Girls movie. Oh, Bad Girls. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think I ever saw that. Did you see it? <laughs> I think I may have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. But then you're talking about guys who actually like westerns, and guys like hot girls, so that seems like it would do well. Right. But I don't. <laughs> But I don't think it did. I think Young Guns was more successful. I mean, it made $45 million, uh, had an $11 million budget. But I think they, they were probably thinking that this could make a lot more money. But again, like if they had just hired a good director and a good screenwriter, this had the potential to be really, really successful. Yeah, imagine if you dropped 
you know, this, this group of actors into, you know, I'm trying to think of a good Western universe, just something that had a, a, a more serious tone and somebody that was actually interested in trying to make the, the, the oh. film feel more authentic. It, you could have done a lot with it. It would have been what, really interesting. What if you had Clint Eastwood directing this? Clint Eastwood would never get near the script, obviously. <laughs> no. So. And he probably would have fired half the cast right, or more. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that he's going to be suffering fools on this one. So, uh, it's, you know, as soon as he saw Charlie Sheen in his, it's, it's just so funny because Charlie Sheen looks like uh, he's dressed up as a cowboy to go to a party. Like that's yeah. the hit that you get off of his character. Yeah. It's, it's not good. Oh man. I sort of non sequitur, but what do you think? What's your favorite film for each of these actors? Casey Shamasco. Three o'clock high. Yeah. That's what I would say too. Lou Diamond Phillips. Maybe was it stand and deliver, I guess, or I haven't, I only saw La Bamba once. I remember that being good, but I, I you know, and then I remember was he made, it's, what's interesting is after this, they, they made a bunch of movies, you know, kind of smaller budget, not as, uh, not that successful. Like he made, was it Renegades? I think he partnered with Kiefer Sutherland and made a movie called Renegades. He made that movie yeah. called The First Power that was. Oh, The First uh, Power, yeah. That got a little bit of buzz when it came out, but I, I don't recall it being a particularly good movie. No. What, what do you what do you think about when you think of Lou Diamond Phillips? Like, what's the movie? That I think of La Bamba, and I, I guess it would stand and deliver. That's the one yeah. with um, the high school math class, right? Yeah. And Ed, Edward James almost. Edward James almost. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in a long, long time, but I re- I remember really, really liking it. Yeah, me too. So uh, Charlie Sheen. That's a tough one in terms of what immediately comes to mind. Probably Wall Street or Platoon. I think I might say Hot Shots Part Two. That's the movie that I enjoy the most, probably. But <laughs> yeah. if I think about, I because I kind of I see him as that Bud Fox character with his hair slicked back, almost automatically when I think of Charlie Sheen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I love Hot Shots. Topper Harley, such a great name. <laughs> I gotta I have to watch that again. I, those two movies like, are really good. That's like, that, you know. like, yeah, both of them were really good. I I can't believe that uh, the sequel was even funnier. Yeah, um, so great. that's that's gonna be my my uh my pick Dermot Mulroney it's funny because I would say this honestly from a movie standpoint see I would say uh my best friend's wedding he made a movie with uh Sean I think it was Sean Astin called staying together I think he was one of the brothers in that staying together yeah I don't know that one has he ever been in a movie with uh Dylan McDermott if he if he, if he ever has or or if he ever does I think the, you know the universe might collapse in in onto itself yeah. All right. So who am I missing here? Um, oh, so Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah, that's a good. What is what is your movie? I'm curious. Movie, not TV show, because Jack Bauer from Twenty Four. Yeah. You know, is easy to jump to the front of your head. But if you're thinking about a movie, the first movie that came to mind was Flatliners, which is not a movie that I like. It's funny. So. That's the movie that I also came to mind for me. <laughs> like, I immediately went immediately went Flatliners, and then I was like, eh, I better ask you this question because maybe maybe I'm missing something. A little, little bit of the Lost Boys too. So his David character from the Lost Boys. Oh, the Boys. Lost Boys. I, I, I think yeah. of Kiefer Sutherland with that. I still have to watch that again. I, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I'm just going through. So we got just, I think after the early 90s. Uh, oh, Freeway. That was a good one. Oh, yeah, that's good. That was that was a good performance. Oh, The Vanishing. That was pretty oh, that's good. That's actually, that's yeah. a pretty, that's a good movie. That, wait, uh, is that the one with Sandra Bullock and, and she gets a... Uh, Am I thinking oh, I the wrong movie? I don't think it's Sandra Bullock. Je- it's uh, Je- Jeff Bridges. Yeah, it is San- yeah, yeah, Sandra Bullock. That's his uh, his girlfriend or wife who just Oh, the one who actually gets kidnapped? She, yeah, the one who gets kidnapped. Oh, okay. Because yeah. who's, the, who's the female lead in that that's, that he is? Nancy Travis. 
Yeah. Okay. That's what, that's what I was thinking of. That's who he like hooks up with later. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was a good movie. That it's a hard movie to watch, but that's really good. Have you ever seen the original version? No. I think it's a French film, and it ends with uh, it just ends with him in the coffin, and that's the ending. Oh God, that's awful. Yeah. So he doesn't get out. <laughs> so, that's awful. They, they had to change the ending for their American audiences since we <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Here we go. A few good men. That's definitely the one. He plays uh, Lieutenant Kendrick, zealous Marine, you know, dickhead. Yeah, yeah, good, that's, per- good performance. But it's just he, he's a small piece of an, of an ensemble on that one. So I know, but that's my favorite uh, Kiefer Sutherland performance. Oh, I thought you were just asking about what jumped into your mind when you thought of Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, versus... okay. Well, I mean, either or. Just how about Emilio? Um. What is my? I mean, it's hard to get past the Breakfast Club, honestly. Yeah, I guess. that's what I was I thinking mean, too. If that's, and I still have not rewatched Stakeout, but I kind of wanted to check, you know, drop in on that at some point. I recall that being good. Stakeout was good. I like Emilio Estevez quite a bit. I find him very watchable and charismatic. I just think that he didn't always necessarily get hooked up with the best movies. See wisdom for additional information. <laughs> yeah, he's never been one of my favorites. By the way, you know, he actually, the director of this film also directed That Was Then, This Is Now, which was the, which he, he, wrote, his, yeah. he wrote the screenplay for. Yeah. Yeah. Another movie that I don't think did particularly well or was well received. I don't think I've ever seen it. I've never seen it. Which uh, Sheen brother reminds you most of Martin Sheen? I would actually go Charlie Sheen, I think. I think Emilio does for me. There are times watching Young Guns where he sounded just like Martin Sheen. Yeah, I think of it more, I guess, in terms of the uh, the success or the level of success that Charlie was able to attain for a while. Oh, no, no, Emilio. I'm just, I'm talking about like resemblance, like just- physic- Like the, physical characteristics, that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably be kind of split in the middle still on that one. There are times when both of them, they might say something or, or you know, look, have a certain look or, you know, look on their face where I'm like, oh my God, it's Martin Sheen. But I think I get more of it from Emilio. Yeah. But I still, I still love that moment in Hot Shots Part Two. <laughs> I love doing Wall I Street. I love doing Wall Street. <laughs> that's just. That makes me want to just this conversation more than anything else. One makes me want to rewatch uh, Hot Shots Part Two, where he's he's fighting the guys and he runs out of bullets and he just like puts his hands in the bullets and throws them at him and oh, they all fall down. <laughs> so I love good. that. Yeah. I love. It. I remember when they're, he's going in to do like the cage fight. And, uh, you know, there's like the, the, the first guy, you know, he's got like, um, his hands are all wrapped up and, and there's like adhesive and he like, and he puts him into like the, all these like nails and spikes and stuff like that. And then they go to topper and he's like nails, spikes, or, and it's like, oh, there's like gummy bears and sprinkles, gummy bears, gummy bears sprinkles, sprinkles, sprinkles. <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you this. So um, I don't know that either one of us are uh, going out of our way to give this film a roaring recommendation. So uh, what would you recommend either maybe an, an alternative movie for one of these actors or maybe an alternative Western? What would be your recommendation? Or, or maybe let me say this. Why? First of all, why would you say somebody should or should not watch this movie? Because there's a million different Westerns out there that are much better. All right. Then, and what's an example of one they should watch? Unforgiven. Uh, that one comes to mind. Yeah, it's only it's what like uh, four years four years later, and you know Clint Eastwood brings us Unforgiven, and it's just 
just like miles and miles and miles better than this. Yeah, if you want to uh, go for two older Eastwood ones, I'd say either, I don't know, I was trying to think of, of what's like between like Hang 'em High or like Two Mules for Sister Sarah or The Outlaw Josie Wales. Maybe go Josie Wales on that one if you want to go a little bit older. And if you want something that's more recent, that's Eastwood, that has a nice gunfight at the end, Pale Rider. It's, uh, and that movie looks great too. And that is an Eastwood directed film, so you know it's actually going to be pretty high quality when it comes to the Western. Yeah. Well, so you, you seem to be a, a Western aficionado. Uh, I am. Do you, have you watched like all the, the John Ford Westerns? Oh yeah, I know. It's you know long time in terms of like the you know I went through the whole run of you know the Searchers, and then you had uh, like the um, you know some of the more even some of the the John Wayne films, and you have all the you know I mean uh, it's not he's not in this, but you know the the classics too, right? High Noon, Shane, Rio Bravo, yeah, you know, I, I, like the Magnificent Seven. I love the Magnificent Seven, and and I love all the you know the the Eastwood Leone pairing, of course. Uh, Man with No Name trilogy is just awesome. Some of my favorite movies of all time. Have you ever seen, because I've seen all of those movies, I, I like them. I haven't watched them a lot. Like, I, I like Westerns, but um, I'm not a huge fan of Westerns. Have you ever seen Stagecoach? Have I ever seen Stagecoach? I don't think I've seen Stagecoach. Neither had I, and I watched it uh, somewhat recently. It is really, really good. And this is like, you know, one of the originals, right? It's like one of, I think it's like one of John Ford's first films, first yeah. Westerns. And it's certainly like John Wayne is super young in it yeah watch it it's really good okay. it's yeah i was very impressed yeah that's the fun thing about the you know particularly since so many of these movies are so well known and they've been picked apart you can easily find the ones that are going to be good and, and worth dropping into so yeah and even some stuff like like was it like the proposition like that came out that has um guy pierce in it i think that was was like 2005 i think that, that's a good, you know, kind of modern Western. And then again, the, it's a, it's a long movie, it probably, probably too long by maybe a half an hour, but the Kevin Costner film open range has a, a fantastic ending gunfight. So that one's highly recommended. I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. It's good. I know there's probably lots of revisionist feelings about dances with wolves, which I haven't seen that movie in a long, long time. I think I'll probably rewatch it when we get to, what is that? 91? Is that, when is that? Uh, it's 90. Because it, it won instead of Goodfellas. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that's there's some understandable <laughs> blowback on that one. Yeah, I mean, look, I really liked Dances with Wolves when it came out. Yeah. But looking back, you're like, oh, okay. Well, I think I probably would have given it to uh, Goodfellas. All right, well, uh, we are going to uh, not give a hearty recommendation to Young Guns. <laughs> and we're going to say I... that it's an, it's an interesting historical artifact uh, that starts the... <laughs> That is the, you know, kind of the, the run of films where you get a bunch of good looking actors together and form a team. Uh, so this is, if it, if it didn't start it, it definitely re-energized it for several years after. Uh, unfortunately, not to great effect for the film itself. Uh, this is a bit of a jumbled mess. Uh, the music is not great. Charlie Sheen should n never have come within a <laughs> hundred miles of this film. So he just does, it doesn't look right. But other than that, you know, it's, entertaining enough and it's a it's a fun performance from uh Emilio Estevez in particular and I mean all the actors I think do okay it's just it's just not good <laughs> I like yeah it's a it's an interesting historical artifact yeah okay and with that it's the uh real DC podcast signing off we will be back uh when we decide what we're gonna what sort of horrible detention assignment we're gonna give Marcus uh Mac and me is a possibility so if anybody 
listens to this and has a really good example of, say, a film from the, you know, 87, 88, 89 period that is recommended as something that you would just hate to watch and be or make somebody experience, then let us know and we'll, we'll test it out. Hit us up on, on Twitter at RealDMC. There you go. All right. Okay. All right. All right. Real, Real DC Podcast signing off. My face is as my face is as smooth as a baby's butt. As smooth as Emilio Estevez's uh, gratuitous ass shot in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Emilio. <laughs> oh, Emilio. <laughs> <laughs>